God, we love You. We worship You, God. We thank You we can come here on this day and praise and worship You, God. You be exalted today. This is Your house, Lord Jesus. We come before You. Lord, You know my heart. I believe I have a message. Lord, I believe I have a testimony. I believe, God, that You have stirred, that You have called me to this very spot, God, that You have called every single person in this room right now in the exact pew, exactly where they're sitting, God. Lord, today's the day of salvation, God. Let us not, let no one in this place leave here deceived, God. I'm asking You right now, fill this place, fill Your temple with the glory of Yourself. Fill Your tabernacle, fill Your house. Give us of Yourself, God. I present to You right now my weakness. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not learned enough, God. God, thank God in my weakness, You're made strong. Show us. Give us of Yourself today, God. Bind any hindrance. Bind the enemy from this place, Holy Spirit. Anoint me as Your vessel, as Your tool, as Your man. Anoint my lips, my tongue. Anoint the Scriptures. Anoint the soil, God. Change eternity today, God. We don't know how many times we're going to be able to do this. Jesus, help us look unto You today, Jesus. Give us of Yourself. We'll give You all the glory, all the praise. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning. This week, I knew that I was preaching this morning. I don't preach too often on a Sunday morning. I was trying to guess. I don't know if it's been eight or ten times in the four years. Maybe I've preached a dozen times on a Sunday morning. I'm not sure. But I felt like God had laid it on my heart uh, to share my testimony this morning. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to do that. Lord, I share, I preached like ten times and I probably shared my testimony about nine out of ten on the Sunday morning. And God began to stir in my heart and lay it on my heart to share my testimony with you this morning. And I was praying about it and Monday or Tuesday, while well, uh, the same with it, I'd been praying about it a few days. Someone sat down, someone not from this church, a born again Christian, a brother, Christian brother, and he said, you know, you know something I think that pastors forget about? And I said, what's that? He said, you know, I think pastors forget about testimonies, about how powerful testimonies are. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll share it. Amen. And so God had really stirred on me to, lay, uh, to share my testimony to you this morning. Now, I want to tell you this this morning. I proclaim to you this morning in the house of God, I proclaim to you in the courts and the tabernacle, the temple of Jesus Christ, I proclaim to you, I have been pulled out of darkness into His marvelous light. I proclaim to you this morning, I've been redeemed, I've been saved, I'm not the same man I used to be. I once walked in darkness, I lived a life of sin, ruled by unforgiveness, ruled by anger, ruled by hatred, ruled by drugs and alcohol for years, ruled by the hatred even of, of, of past churches. Past religion. Past legalism. I was at a place where I didn't want to be a part of a church house. I didn't want to be a part of what God was doing. I believed that I was born again because I'd said a prayer. I believed that I was born again because I'd prayed, because I'd cried out to God, because I'd experienced Him before. I knew He was real. I'd cried out to Him before. But my life spoke disobedience. My life spoke sin. My life spoke, I am my master. My life spoke, sin rules and reigns in my life. Then one day I met a preacher man at the DRC and invited me to church. And I said to myself, preacher man, I know all about Jesus. I know who He is. A few months later, me and my a girlfriend, which is my Hannah, my beautiful wife now, we were going to go to her church at a different town. October 21st, 2007. I leaned forward in my bed to go to her church. I leaned forward and something spoke inside me and said, Joplin. I thought, that's strange. Why would I think of somebody I'd met one time, months earlier? So I, leave, I get up and we go to this other church in another town. And I walk in the sanctuary, and I got a Gatorade in my hand, and I stepped in, and we're there early. And I stepped in, the first thing someone comes up to me and says, we don't bring drinks in here, bro. 
And I thought to myself, this is why I hate church. This is why I hate the hypocrites. This is why I hate the fakes. Why did I even come to church today? Long story short, we end up leaving there. Strange morning. Hannah was crying. Some stuff had happened. We're heading back to Derby about ten minutes before service was even started. And we're driving back and I remembered that something spoke inside of me that day that said, Joplin. And I thought, this is strange. It's weird. We can make it to this guy's church. I'm dressed. We're going to church. We pull up here. We sit in the back over here in the corner. We walk in. There's a special singing group singing to the audience that day. Be careful. You fall off the stage. There's a special singing group singing to the audience that day. So I didn't think anybody saw me. I come in. I sit down in the back. And something speaks to me again, clear as daylight. says, God has brought you here this morning for a reason. And I thought, this is getting even weirder, how I ended up here. This is weird. Joplin comes up on this stage to preach and says, I was supposed to finish a series on Nehemiah today, but God spoke to me last night. One in five times has God ever spoke to me so powerful, God told me to change the sermon. And he called the sermon and he began to preach. It was called Soldiers for the Cross. I'll tell you this morning, it was something, it was nothing new to me I'd never heard before. I'd heard about Jesus. I know all the books of the Bible. I could quote to you chapters out of God's Word. There was nothing new I hadn't heard this morning. But something new happened that day that had never happened in my life before. I felt like there was a ghost in this place. I could feel the presence of something. And everything he preached began to deal with me. And it began to smoke to me. And I continued to throw up wall after wall after wall. And the Holy Spirit began to deal with me and crush and break through every single one. A breakthrough. And I began to realize that Jesus Christ had brought me to this place for a reason. With a purpose. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. As I sat there, God was dealing with me. God was ministering to me. I began to realize after all that I'd done, after all that I'd known in all my wicked life, all the hatred for, for hypocrisy in the church, all the hatred, all the unforgiveness, I realized that God still loved me and hadn't given up on me. And that He brought me here for a reason. I remember the pastor gave the altar call. We all stood. And a part of me said, Branson, I I can remember standing right there just like it was today. I remember standing there and a part of me saying, Branson, don't give it up. What a ball and chain. Who wants to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? Who wants to pray and read their Bible? What if you want to get drunk on New Year's? What if you want to do this? What if you want to do that? The other part of me said, Branson, Branson, You hate yourself. You hate all the pain that you've caused. And that day, I stepped out of my pew. And I didn't even, I don't even remember, I don't even know if I prayed a prayer. I just began to weep. I came down to an old-fashioned altar. I knelt down here, didn't know anybody in this place. I came up here and wept and cried as hard as I've ever cried my entire life. I I remember saying somewhere deep on the inside is in the midst of my weeping, God, I don't have much left, but what I have, I give it all to you. And I can remember that day. I can remember that specific time, that hour, that moment where the old Branson died. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live by the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The old Branson died and I stood up and a burden had left me. Jesus Christ had given me new life. He had given me His Spirit. I was born of Spirit. I was born again. And I've never been the same since. 
I've been healed from that day. No more drugs. I'm not ruled by anger. I'm not ruled by drugs and alcohol. I'm not ruled by unforgiveness. I gave Jesus Christ my life. I made Him my Master. He gave me new life, new desires, a new yearning, a love for Him. I haven't been perfect since, but I'm not the same man I used to be. I'm redeemed. I'm saved. I'm born again. And I proclaim it to you this morning in His house. I remember, well, tell, I went back to my pew and Hannah was gone. She was up here. My wife got saved the same day, the same time. I came and I told the pastor all that had happened that day. And he said, when I got up here to preach and I saw you in the back, God spoke to me and said, that's why I changed the sermon. I'm sure God ministered. I know God ministered and spoke to other people. But can I tell you, when Jesus Christ seeks you out, it is that personal. He'll come to find you. He'll come to seek you out in the darkness. I've heard it called the Holy Spirit Heaven's Hound. He'll come into the darkness in that place where nobody else can find you. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost this morning. Second Samuel chapter 5. Second Samuel chapter 5 and verse 1 says this, Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching this morning before I do a little bit of preaching. Israel is anointing and about to make David their king of Israel. Saul was the first king of Israel. We know before that there was Moses and then Joshua and then all the judges over several uh, hundred years. But Israel demanded a king. They demanded and wanted a king on the throne. This was not pleasing to God. God was their king. God gave the people, nevertheless, what they requested. Saul was the first king over Israel. Let me first say this before I move forward. In the Old Testament, there are types and shadows of Christ. There are types of Christ in the Old Testament that point forward to the cross. Everything in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament. Remember, even Pastor Joplin mentioned this last week. Do you remember when Jesus walked on the the Emmaus Road with two disciples? He walked on the road and He opened up the Scriptures to them. He began to teach them all things in the Scriptures, which was the Old Testament. He began to teach them all things concerning Himself. You see, there are types of Christ in the Old Testament. We learned about it last week. A type of Christ doesn't mean that they are perfect and without sin. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's only been one man that's perfect. His name is Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, the Son of God. But a type of Christ is a picture pointing forward. For example, last week Pastor Joplin preached with Abraham and Isaac. We see a picture of the Father sending His Son. The son who is, uh, the son who, who put himself on the altar, who sacrificed himself willingly. That is a picture. And that picture of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Now we know the Lord stopped him and gave him a ram. But that is a picture of the cross. Isaac was a type of Christ. That is a picture of the cross, a picture of the father sending his spotless lamb, sending his son to die on our behalf. Moses is a type of Christ in the Old Testament. Moses went down to Egypt and brought the people out of slavery and took them to the promised land. Moses is a type of Christ. Egypt always represents the world. Excuse me. As Moses went down to Egypt, Jesus Christ came down and sought me out, pulled me out of the world. He came and He saved us. He pulled us from slavery out of Egypt and He taken us to the promised land. Moses is a type of Christ. But can I tell you this morning, the greatest type of Christ in all of Scripture, in the Old Testament, the greatest type of Christ is King David. King David is a type of Christ. In fact, even at the end of verse 2, it says, you shall shepherd my people Israel. That's what they said. We know the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. David wrote many messianic psalms. Psalm 22, if you read it, Psalm 22, if you read it, you, you'll just read it and you think this is Jesus speaking when he was going through on the cross. It is almost word for word several details of what happened on the cross. It was written 400 years before the cross. See, it was prophetic. David was a type of Christ. The Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart. And I tell you, King Saul, the first king of Israel, was a man after the heart of the people. See, yes, David is a type of Christ, but there was a king who came before there was someone who came before him, Saul. And I'm going to barely skim the surface teaching on the types. I wanted to skim it for a purpose in this. There was a king before David, King Saul. King Saul was a type of the flesh. King Saul was a type of Adam. In Romans it tells us that Adam uh, there was Adam, and then there was the, the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ. But let me, the picture here we want to look at today is this. David is a type of Christ. Saul is a type of the flesh. Saul represents all man's efforts, all man's striving. When you looked at King David, you, they named him king. He was just a small shepherd boy. When we pick up on the story, it's years. this is years after he had defeated the giant. But we see a small shepherd boy, not somebody you would say, that's our leader. There's going to be our next king. King Saul was a man where all of us would have picked him out of a crowd. We all would have said, there's our king. Saul was a a head and shoulders taller than everybody the Bible records. Saul is a type of the flesh. You You look at King Saul's life. It's very interesting. Saul's an interesting uh, character in Scripture. He's the first king over all of Israel. King Saul, his life, spoken in his life, his life speaks, his life spoke, misplaced faith. What do you mean, Branson? Misplaced faith. Saul had faith in God. Saul believed God was real. Saul spoke to God. Saul knew God existed. He spoke to the prophets. I'm sure Saul, if he was here today, Saul was a man that went to church every week. Saul knew the Scriptures. Saul knew God's Word. Saul knew who God was and believed probably that God was the answer, that He was the King of kings, that He was the Lord of lords. The Bible records that Saul prophesied with the prophets. The Bible records that Saul prophesied with the prophets. The Spirit of God came upon Saul. And he spoke and prophesied the Word of God with the prophets. It's interesting in Hebrews 11 and much of Scripture, anytime we have righteous men, anytime we have the men of faith, the hall of faith and all of Scripture, you never see Saul recorded as one of the men of faith. Never. See, Saul was a man of misplaced faith. Saul believed God. He went to church every week, into his Scriptures. Saul's life was marked by disobedience. You see, God would send Saul. God said, Saul, go and defeat all this enemy. And Saul would go and do it 80% God's way, 20% Saul's way. And Saul would do it 60% God's way, 40% Saul's way. 99% God's way, 1% Saul's way. Can I tell you this morning, half obedience equals full disobedience. Half obedience equals full disobedience. God would tell Saul, go destroy all these enemies. And Saul would go and destroy most of them. But he'd say, this part, these guys can actually live. They can stay. They're not bad. Can I tell you, that is a picture of most of the church, most people who call themselves Christians today. God, you can have most of it. God, you can have all this that seems bad, but this much seems good, and I'll keep this. I'll hang on to this. Can I tell you, that's disobedience to God. Saul's life was marked by disobedience continually. Now, you wouldn't have looked at Saul. He wouldn't have been one of those people you looked at and said, oh, this guy, you know, he's out drinking and doing drugs. He's out having uh, sex before marriage. He's out all doing all this wicked things that we know the Bible calls sin. Saul was someone you would have looked at and probably said, this guy loves the Lord. But if you look at Saul's life, his misplaced faith, Saul was the master. Saul was the king. 
Saul's continual disobedience to God spoke to who was his master. The book of James chapter 2. James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 14. The Bible says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? What a question. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Can I tell you this morning, disobedience is always marked by unbelief. Disobedience is always marked by a lack of faith. Even I would call a misplaced faith. The Bible asks, what a question, can faith save him? That's also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it is dead. Faith without works is dead. You know, often when I was lost, before I'd been saved, people would question me and say, if you love God, why do you do this? If you love God, then why do you do that? And my response was always, which is the response of most of the world today, if you're, you know, if you're a Christian, what are you saying? That you're perfect? Don't judge me. Man, I'm so sick of hearing that. Don't judge me. I tell you, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come to judge. But you need to know this. Someday He will return and He will judge. And it's appointed unto man once to die. And when you do, you will stand before judgment. Praise God, He came to save. Amen? But I used to always tell people, well, if you're saved, if you're a Christian, you sin. Who are you saying? You're Jesus. Don't judge me. You're not perfect. You're not without sin. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me I'm not a Christian because I do this. This is very key in all Scripture. Faith without works is dead. God's Word does not teach perfection. We see mistakes. We see sin in men's life all through Scripture. We see great mistakes even later in the life of King David. We see great mistakes in the men of Hall of Faith, Samson. We see great mistakes in Scripture by men of God. We've been doing the study on Sunday morning. Men of God. We see Abraham. He was not perfect. But he believed God. And it was afforded to him. Accorded to him his righteousness. Accounted to him his righteousness. I knew that sounded wrong. One thing God's Word teaches. Key word is practices. Practices and walks. You see, God's Word doesn't teach that if you're a born-again Christian, faith without works is dead. If you're a born-again Christian, that you'll never sin. But it does say this. The Bible does teach this. You will not be sinless, but you will sin less. You cannot tell me that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't care what prayer you've prayed. I don't care if you believe in eternal security or if you believe you can lose your salvation. That's not the point of the focus at all. You cannot tell me that you are a born-again Christian and walked it, walking and practicing and living a life of darkness. That is not Scripture and it's not biblical. There's not one character in all of Scripture that continually walked and lived a practicing lifestyle of sin and Jesus Christ was His Master. It does not exist. We can argue until the cows come home about eternal security, whether you can lose your salvation, whether you never had it. We can argue about that all day long. We have for hundreds of years. And not one life has been changed as a result. But I can tell you boldly and firmly, nobody in this blessed book, not one person, walked and lived a life of sin, walked and lived a life of darkness, and Jesus Christ was their Master. The book of 1 John. The book of 1 John gives us clarity on this. The book of 1 John chapter 1 says this. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. 
If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Those are key. Walk and practice. We do not. Chapter 2 and verse 3. Now by this we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him. Whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in Him. By this we know that we are in Him. Chapter 3, verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteousness. Just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. Chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I'll tell you this. I don't know how I could make it any more clear. That is clear. That's clear Scripture. Key words through all that walks, practices. It says it cannot happen. I'm not saying you don't have a free will. We do have free will. God doesn't make me choose Him. God doesn't ever make... God didn't make me get saved. I have a free will. I have a free choice. God gives us freedom. You can reject Him. Most people will. Most people will. The Bible says it cannot happen. You cannot be a born-again Christian. You cannot walk in darkness. It cannot happen. A born-again Christian cannot walk and practice sin. Why? Because they're born of spirit. Because they're born again. You see, when I got saved that day, I didn't become perfect, but God gave me new desires. See, you used to always think, you know, what if, God, if I get saved, what if I, what's going to happen if I go back to the old lifestyle? There's something that I can say, but only the Spirit of God can show you. You can hear it your whole life. I heard about salvation my entire life. I always knew what it was. Can I tell you this morning, if you've never been born again, you have no idea what salvation is at all, though you think you do. That was me. You think you know what salvation is? You've heard the message I'm preaching. You've heard this gospel message a thousand times. You could preach it to a bunch of people if you wanted to. But if you've never been born of spirit, you have no idea what salvation is. See, God gives you new life. See, that, what a question in and of itself. What if I give God my life and He gives me a spirit, but then I want to go back? Oh, what do you mean? How can you go back? Can, how can, could I go be unborn from my mother again? God has given me, I have been born of spirit. The old Branson died when I left here that day. I threw away all my drugs. I threw away my CDs. I didn't have to have someone say, well, well, now you're a Christian. I didn't stand there and say, well, I'm a Christian now. I better read my Bible and throw away this music. Oh, since I'm a Christian, I better do this. My desires changed. My wants changed. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to be in His house. I had a relationship with Him. And just like being in love with my wife. I don't have to tell myself, oh, go spend time with her. Oh, go call her. Oh, you got to go do this. I don't have to tell myself to do those things because I love her. When you love Jesus Christ, He gives you new spirit, new life. You'll be born again. You won't be the same. You'll have new desires. He'll be the King of kings, the Lord of lords of your life. He'll come in and defeat the inward enemy. The old man is dead. God doesn't want to change you or make you better. He wants to do away with the old and give you new life. Many... Many walk and practice today. Most people, most people that call themselves Christians, they go to church, they know God's Word, they know what God's Word says, and they willfully practice and walk in darkness. I know it's sin, Branson, but me and her, we're going to get married in a couple years and we live together. The Bible says in the end times they'll go after ear ticklers. Can I tell you, God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I tell you, I proclaim to you this morning, the old ways still work. God has not changed. I don't care what the generation says. I, this, we live in an evil, wicked generation. 
It's evil. There's so much wickedness, we're used to it. We don't even care. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Today, most people that call themselves Christians, uh, you know, Branson, I know that we're going to, I know that it's two years off, it's a new time, it's a new era. It's still sin to have sex outside of marriage. Don't tell me Jesus Christ is your master and you're having sex outside of marriage. He cannot sin. He cannot walk and practice darkness. Jesus Christ is not your master. He's not your king. He's not your Lord. You are. Don't tell me you love God and you know it's sin. You go get drunk once a month, twice, whatever. Don't tell me you love God. Don't tell me he's the king and the master of your life. I've got scripture. I've got God's word right there. I I didn't say you can't mess up. Six months after I got saved, I was living and walking in the flesh. I went out and got drunk. I did. And guess what? I woke up the next morning and I bawled like a baby and I cried. You know why? Because the Spirit of God was inside of me and I couldn't enjoy it. And I had this thing inside me called the Spirit of Promise telling me this was wrong the entire time. I didn't enjoy it. I woke up and it hurt. I hurt God. I messed up. I sinned against the God that I love and I repented. That's why I'm a follower of Christ because I follow Him. Not because I'm perfect. Not because I had an experience with God. Not because I said a prayer. I am a follower of Christ because I follow Christ. It's incredible. I want you, I want to note all this. I'm talking about all those things, but we know our sin. But I want you to know here's what we're talking about this morning. This morning, I'm not talking about that crowd. This morning, I'm talking to the church crowd. This morning, I'm talking to the church crowd. You see, Follow along with me. James, back to James chapter 2, verse 18. Got ahead of myself. James chapter 2, verse 18. But someone will say to you, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Now, right back to what I was saying. I'm preaching to the church this morning. I'm not talking about all those other people that we all know those things are wicked and darkness. I'm talking about King Saul. He believed. The Bible says in James, the demons believe. I'm not talking about the people who do all this stuff that's outward that we can all see and know is sin. I'm talking about people who go to church every week. I'm talking about people who know Scripture. I'm talking about people who are involved in ministry. The Bible says, many shall say on that day, Lord, Lord. You see, Saul prophesied with the prophets. Can I tell you, through his life of disobedience, see, Saul didn't have a drug and drunk problem. But he had an unbelief problem. See, he didn't believe. He never made Jesus the King of kings, the Lord of lords of his life. God was never the master of his life. You know, you look at Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot was with the ministry of Jesus Christ for three and a half years. The Bible says Jesus sent out the 70, which was Judas was one of them, and they all came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. Notice, when Judas betrayed Jesus, they all kind of went, man, I knew it was Judas. Notice he never did anything over the years. They never said that. Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus Christ. Judas Iscariot did not do something that me and you haven't done. We're enemies of the cross of Christ. Our sin is wicked. We are in dire need of a Savior. You see, Judas was a churchgoer. Judas wasn't out doing all that other stuff I talked about. Judas was one of the church people. Judas was somebody who went to the church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Judas was part of the ministry team. Judas believed in God. And can I tell you, this is incredible. Judas was sorry for what he did. Hey, Judas hadn't done something you hadn't done. Hey, my sin was there that day. My sin helped nail Jesus Christ to that cross. And so did yours. But praise God, he loved us anyways. God loved Judas Iscariot. Judas was sorry for what he did. He was. You tell me he wasn't sorry? He took the coins, went and threw it back in their face. 
and said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And he went out and hung himself. Judas was sorry for his sin. Judas was sorry for what he'd done. He said, I've betrayed innocent blood. He threw the coins back in their face. I tell you this morning, I'm preaching to you, church. Listen. He was sorry. He was part of the ministry. He was with Jesus. He experienced God's power. He knew that God was love. He knew that Jesus was innocent. He believed in God. He went to church. He knew His Scriptures. He was sorry. And He still died and went to hell. This is the case of many today. This is the case of most people today. They're sorry. They believe in God. Even the demons believe. They're sorry and they believe and they've experienced Jesus. Let me say this. Just because you've experienced Jesus doesn't mean you have faith in God. Just because you've experienced His power. Ten lepers were healed. How many came back and worshipped Him? One. Caiaphas, the high priest that year that Jesus died, he prophesied that it was expedient for one man to die on behalf of the sin of the people. It came true. It was a true prophecy. This guy, this was Caiaphas, the high priest. This guy that went to church all the time. This guy that lived probably more righteous than any of us do. Went to church every week. He rejected Jesus Christ. Jesus told the high priest they were going to die in their sin. That he rejected Jesus and he prophesied that year and it was true. Saul prophesied with the prophet. Judas experienced. The Bible says the 70 came back all saying the demons believe. Judas came back after casting out demons. Caiaphas, the high priest who was going to die in his sin, who rejected Jesus Christ, God was not his master, he prophesied and it came true. Friends, and what are you getting at? You're getting at this. Just because you believe in God. Just because you've experienced God. Just because you're sorry for your sin. Just because you're remorseful and you know He's the King of Kings. Just because you go to church every week. Doesn't mean that you have faith in Jesus Christ. That He's the Master of your heart. You see, this is most of the church today. They believe, Judas believed that all that he'd done was more powerful than God's forgiveness. He believed that all the sin, the wicked things he'd done, see, he was remorseful, but he wasn't repentant. Judas believed his sin was greater than God's forgiveness. This is the truth of many today. They say, God, you can change, you can heal everybody else, but not me. I tell you this morning, I preached to you, God's grace is greater than your sin. His blood and His forgiveness is more powerful than your wickedness. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. One drop of blood is more powerful than all the sin in the world that's ever lived combined. His grace is greater than your sin. Judas believed that his sin and his wickedness was more powerful than God's forgiveness. He wasn't repentant. That's unbelief. The Bible says in Revelation 21.8, those that enter into hell, before he mentions the murderers and the sorcerers, he says the cowardly, the unbelieving. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Not those who experience God. Not those that believe He's real. Believers die and go to hell. Yes, believers in God die and go to hell. The demons believe. Judas believed in God. Saul believed in God. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, I'm not talking about the the world. I'm talking about people who know who He is. But He who does the will of my Father, not He who prayed, not He who was baptized, not He that had an experience, not He that said a prayer, He who does the will of my Father. You need to know this this morning. You may have me fooled. You may have the disciples fooled. You may have the pastor fooled. You may have everybody fooled in your life. You may go to church every week. You may know Scripture. You may know God and His Word and belief. Friend, you do not have God fooled. You don't. Many shall say on that day, Lord, Lord, Lord. They'll scream, Lord, we know You. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name, cast out demons in Your name, and done many wonders in Your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who practice lawlessness. Depart from me. I never knew you. Terrifying Scripture. We're talking about, you know, it's funny. We're talking about prophesying and casting out demons. Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Lord, Lord, didn't we do great things in your name? They know who he is. They claim that they've done great things in his name. Can I tell you something? They probably did. They probably experienced God and believed in God. I tell you, most are like Saul. Most of these people are like Saul and Judas. Judas, he was sorry. Oh, he, but he was sorry. But he was unbelief. He was unrepentant. Or like Saul. Most are like Saul. God, everybody else thinks you're a Christian. Everybody else thinks I'm saved. God, you can have all this, but in my heart, you can't have it all. Friend, can I tell you? That little bit that you hang on to. You may have me and everybody else fooled. You don't have God fooled. That little bit that you're hanging on to is everything. That little bit that you're hanging on to is what's going to take you to hell. Jesus Christ came to save. His will is that none go to hell. He gave us a choice. Most people say, God, you can have it all, but I'm keeping this little bit. What your God, man looks at the outward. God looks at the heart. Are you? Is, let me ask you: Is Jesus Christ truly the King of Kings, Lord of your Lords of your life? Many shall say in that day. Keep in mind, we're talking about a bunch of church folks. We're not talking about a bunch of people who are atheists and people who reject Christ. We're talking about people who say, "Lord, Lord." Those who practice righteousness, those who law, those who excuse me. Those who obey the law. He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Those are the Christians. Those are the Christians. Many today are the people Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, a tree is known by its fruit. Jesus said, you hypocrites. To the Pharisees, to all the church people. A bunch of church people in that day, the religious faiths. Jesus said, this people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? Remember this. Man looks at the outward God. Sir, ma'am, God knows your heart. And God loves you. The Word of God is spoken and preached this morning. These things, 1 John, last chapter, these things I have written that you may know. God loves you. God's desire is to save you. Sir, ma'am, it's not too late. You're still here. You're still breathing. It's not too late. Are you sure that you're saved? Are you sure you've made Him the master of your life? Are you sure He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Maybe you're like Saul. You continually just go astray. Nobody else knows but you know. It's like I can't seem to get it. I can't seem in my life. Things just seem to be going wrong. My marriage is falling apart. My relationships are ruined. My finances are destroying me. Friend, if you don't make Saul, excuse me, friend, if you don't make Jesus the King of Kings of your life, if you don't let Him defeat the inward enemy, the outward enemy will consume you. See, Saul never made the Lord his master. The Philistines were the end of Saul. They surrounded him and he actually killed himself. But the Philistines were the end of Saul. Pick back up with me in the story. 2 Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 3. We already read in verse 1 it says, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 3 says, Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. Can I tell you this this morning? 
You must make Jesus Christ the King of kings, the Lord of lords of your life. Remember, David is a type of Christ. The people, they made King David the king. They said, we're your bone, we're your flesh. They anointed him. Can I tell you this morning, to be saved, to be born again, you must give it all to him. You can hang on to a little bit. God doesn't ask for much, but he asks for it all. Don't be deceived by the lies of the flesh, by the lies of the devil, and say, God, I'll give you 99%. That 1% longs to deceive you, to serve yourself. You must make Jesus the King of your life. You must give it all to Him. You must believe, God, I don't understand it. I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. That's faith. God, I can't do it. But God, You can. God, Your grace is greater than my sin. God, You are more powerful. God, Your Word says You love me and You've forgiven me. To be saved, You must cry out to Him in faith. You must believe it will be accounted to You for righteousness. You must make Him Your bone and Your flesh. The Master, the King of kings of your life. The King of kings of your heart. Verse 6, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. And now David said on that day, Whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore, they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Here's what happened. They make David the king. They anoint him. They make him the king of kings. They say, we're your flesh and your bone. The inward enemy in Jerusalem was the Jebusites. The Jebusites were the inward enemy in Jerusalem. Saul never defeated. Saul never took Jerusalem. Saul never defeated the Jebusites inside Jerusalem. I told you the Philistines were the enemy on the out. The Jebusites were the enemy within. Saul never defeated the Jebusites. Can I tell you this? In our own effort, in our own striving, we cannot do it. That is why we must make Jesus the king of our lives. The Bible says that David, he dwelt in the stronghold. The enemy said, ha, you can't take this place, David. Even the blind and the lame can repel you. Can I tell you, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lame, but Jesus Christ came in and He healed my broken heart. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold. Can I tell you, when you make Jesus the King of kings, the Lord of lords of your life, He'll dwell within you. He'll come inside of you. The Bible says they went up the way of the water shaft. What's the water always resent? We're talking about pictures and types in Scripture. The water always represents the Holy Spirit. Guess how they got into Jerusalem? Through the water shaft. Guess how Jesus Christ gives you new life? Make Him the King of your life. He'll come in through the Holy Spirit and He'll defeat the enemy within. Praise God. He'll come in and He'll defeat your inward enemy. The Bible says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Oh, praise God. He came in and gave me new life. The old Branson died. I don't have to be ruled by you anymore. See, the Bible talks about living life by the Spirit, quenching the flesh. Yes, I'm still in the flesh. Yes, I'm still here. But Jesus dwells in me. I'm not ruled by my flesh anymore. It's not, I'm not my own master. I serve Him now. Now the Spirit rules the flesh. Invite Jesus in your life. He'll defeat the inward enemy. What was the end of Saul, the Philistines? Hey, you never defeat the inward. The outward will defeat you. Some of you are being defeated. You believe in God. You know He's real. You've said a prayer. You've been baptized. You've experienced Him. And the outward battles of this life are killing you. Your marriage is falling apart. Your relationships are falling apart. Your finances, everything always seems to go wrong. I want to tell you a good indicator. Christians may not be perfect, but the victory has been won. Maybe you continually practice and maybe there's continual failure because you're trying. Saul's, we can't do it. We can't. We must die unto self. Make him the king of your life. David, King Jesus, will come in and defeat the inward enemy. He'll save you. Verse 9, then David dwelt in the strongholds. Praise God, he sent the spirit of promise. He'll dwell inside of us. He dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around it the Milo and inward. 
Verse 17, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Can I tell you this? King Jesus will destroy the strongholds on your life. He's more powerful. When I got saved, I wasn't ruled by drugs anymore. I wasn't ruled by alcohol anymore. I wasn't ruled by unforgiveness. I wasn't ruled by anger because Jesus defeated the stronghold of the enemy. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines in your hand. So David went to baal Perizim. And David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me, like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of that place baal Perizim. Can I tell you, you make Jesus the King of kings, the Lord of lords of your life. He'll destroy the inward enemy. Then he'll go destroy the outward enemy. He says, The Lord has defeated my enemies like a breakthrough of water. It's incredible that this nation is called a Christian nation. Most people in this nation say that they're true, born-again believers. I tell you this, I believe this. Many shall say in that day, Lord, Lord, I believe this with all my heart. Most people that say that they're saved are not. I can tell you this. I don't mean this to be mean. I'm not the judge. The Bible says a tree is known by its fruit. The Bible says you can know if you're saved. Listen, David was a man after the heart of the people. Saul was a man after the heart. Excuse me. David was a man after, after the heart of God. Saul was a man after the heart of the people. You may have everybody fooled. I want you to know this. God sees your heart. Are you truly born again? Have you been truly born of spirit? As Jesus Christ, can you tell me in your life, I don't care how many times you've been to church, I don't care how much scripture you know, can you tell me a time in your life, tell yourself, tell to God, can you tell me a time in your life when the old, state your name, when the old died and God gave you new life, gave you his spirit and you've never been the same person since? And He is the ruler and the master of your life. Those who bear fruit. You know, Jesus says in John chapter 15, the tree that doesn't bear fruit is cut down. You know what spiritual fruit is? It's something only God can do. Is God do? Is there things happening in your life that only God can do? Is your life marked by Jesus Christ? If somebody said, let's talk about so and so. Do they say Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of his life? Can you tell me a time when the old person died, you were born of spirit, and you've never been the same since? If you can't, are you one of those people that's going to say, Lord, Lord? Are you going to, Chris, I'll, I'll ask our worship team to come. Hey, everybody, listen up right here. Are you one of those people that's going to stand before God on that day and say, Lord, Lord? Are you one of those people that's going to stand before Him Sunday and say, God, I knew You. I experienced You. I believed in You. I prayed. I, I knew You existed. You even healed me. Are you one of those people that's going to say, Lord, Lord, have You truly been born again? Or is this You, Psalm 116, I love the Lord because He has heard my voice and my supplications, because He has inclined His ear to me. Therefore, I will call upon Him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me. The pains of Sheol lay hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore You, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. Verse 18, I will pay my vows to the Lord. Now in the presence of all His people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Can I tell you this morning? God loves you. Can I tell you this morning? God's grace is greater than your sin. He has declared everyone innocent through the shed blood of the cross. You will not receive that salvation until you come to Him by faith. 
by faith, by grace you have been saved through faith. If I'm speaking to you this morning, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you this morning, you know what? What I'm preaching to is the hardest group of people to reach. This is the hardest group of people to reach that I'm preaching to because they're deceived and they believe that they're saved. This morning I've preached to you God's Word, not my opinion. I don't want, we don't need to hear from me. We need to hear from God. I beg God to get out of His way, but I believe in a crowd this size. I believe right now there's people in this place who are deceived and have never been saved. I believe that. I do. God loves you. His Word is preached to reach you. You know what? Judas could have repented. Saul didn't have to die that way. Even after the kingdom had been stripped, he didn't have to die. You know why God let him continue on? Because God loves Saul. God loved Judas. And God loves you. He does. It's not too late. But my friend, I tell you, there will be a day when it is too late. When you will stand before the righteous judge. Please, don't be you. Don't let that be you today. Don't be the one that says, Lord, Lord, don't let that be you. God is ministering. He is speaking to you today for a reason. Not to condemn you. Not to judge you. Because as he says, child, I love you. Give me your life. Make me the king of your life. I want to save you. I don't want to let the, the outward enemies, they're defeating you because the inward enemies have never been taken care of. Your life's falling apart, sir. Your life's falling apart, man. Life's not what you thought it was supposed to be. Things didn't go the way you thought they would go. And you can never figure out why you always fail. You can't figure out why you always fall, why you always seem defeated. Have you made the king of kings? Have you made him the king of your life? I'm not perfect, but I'll boldly proclaim it. I live in victory. I'm saved. I'm born again. I've been redeemed. I'm not the man that I used to be. I'm saved. Praise God. Everybody in here, stand all over this room. These altars are open. These altars are open. Anytime we see in the Bible, we see them come publicly. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you everybody to look up here. If you need to be saved, these altars are open. Don't let that little bit of pride keep you from coming to the altar. You need to be healed this morning. Maybe I preached and there was God was dealing with you about something I didn't even preach about. Christian, these altars are open. You need to be healed. Come meet with Jesus this morning. You need to be saved. Come meet with Jesus. If there's a need in your life, these altars are open. Come, come meet with Jesus. So you thought you had to keep this up. All the 